This afternoon I preach to you the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed by the church in Lord's Day 15 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Speaking of the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ under Pontius Pilate as judge. Here the church confesses, what do you confess when you say that he suffered? During all the time he lived on earth, but especially at the end, Christ bore in body and soul the wrath of God against the sin of the whole human race. Thus, by his suffering as the only atoning sacrifice, he has redeemed our body and soul from everlasting damnation and obtained for us the grace of God, righteousness, and eternal life. Why did he suffer under Pontius Pilate as judge? Though innocent, Christ was condemned by an earthly judge, and so he freed us from the severe judgment of God that was to fall on us. Does it have a special meaning that Christ was crucified and did not die in a different way? Yes. Thereby, I am assured that he took upon himself the curse which lay on me, for a crucified one was cursed by God." Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if you have your Bibles open or open your Bibles again to the passage we read, we make several references to it, but I'd like to begin by calling your attention to verse 14, chapter 10, verse 14. It's a beautiful explanation of who we are in Christ Jesus. There, we read that he made perfect those, perfect forever, those who are being made holy. A saying that we have the guarantee of already being perfect and holy forever in God's sight, even while we are in the process of being made holy. It's a good text to memorize. Then if someone asks you what it's like being a Christian, you can say, well, it's like being perfect forever in God's sight even while I am being made holy. As I battle against my own sworn enemies every day, I know that my victory does not depend on my own success, but upon the victory, the sacrifice of Christ Jesus. It's amazing to be a Christian, to say those words, perfect forever, even while we are being made holy. But then we have to go into what that means, what, what we're saying, how that's possible. Chapter 10, verse 14 is a little verse, but it's found in that context we read, we read together, Hebrews 9 and 10, that speaks about how the Lord Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament sacrifices. There's a little explanation in the Old Testament. Testament, the priest would, would offer animals up as sacrifices, and then their blood made it possible to enter into the temple where God's name was dwelling here on the earth. It's a horizontal uh, experience or, or practice. When Christ came, he fulfilled the Old Testament, says the, the writer to the Hebrews. And he says that Jesus Christ then is the true high priest who offered himself as a true, true sacrifice to give us access into heaven. So instead of being horizontal, it's, it's vertical in Jesus Christ. We get into heaven, not just to another place here on the earth. 
And so Hebrews is saying Christ's work is, is clearly greater. It's, he's a better high priest. He offered a better sacrifice. It's a better goal. And, and for us, there's better dividends. It's a beautiful message. But it's possible that this talk becomes so theological and so far from our life experiences that we actually don't think very much about the details of Christ's suffering. Now our confession doesn't let that happen. Lord's Day 15 of the Heidelberg Catechism helps us to understand what his suffering was like. What was it like for our Lord Jesus to get what we deserve but will never experience? What is it like to be under the curse of God, to be the object of his wrath, to be under his punishment? What is it like to be a sacrificial animal paying for the sins of others? What is it like to be the sacrifice and also the high priest who, who has to offer it up? He has to offer up himself as a sacrifice before his heavenly Father, whom he loves for the sake of undeserving sinners. What's that like? The Catechism explains what we mean when we say that Jesus Christ suffered under Pontius Pilate and was crucified. And I preached to you the gospel of Jesus Christ under the following theme. Jesus Christ sacrificed his body once for all to make us perfect forever. You could see in chapter 10 that the theme is combining verse 10 and verse 14. Jesus Christ sacrificed his body once for all to make us perfect forever. We'll see two things. First of all, the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. And in the second place, the one sacrifice of Christ that makes perfect forever. So we go back to Hebrews 9 and 10 and we see that the verses we read, they speak a lot about religious life under the law as we read that in the Old Testament. In these chapters, and you, can, you have your Bible open, you can see that in verse 11, we can read about man-made tabernacles or temples uh, where God permitted his name to dwell. We can read about rituals that were performed by priests so that they could get nearer to God's dwelling place on earth. That's verse 12 of chapter 9. And then you look to the law of Moses, that, those first five books of the Bible, that the writer of Hebrews is summarizing in chapters 9 and 10. You can learn more about the five main types of sacrifice. Just look at Leviticus 1 to 6, and, and the Bible explains the first five, uh, sorry, these sacrifice, the five sacrifices. And then you get a better idea of, of what is happening here in chapters 9 and 10, what he's, what he's saying. But when I look to the Old Testament, and when you read through the law, you'll see a lot of sacrifices. You'll, you'll read about a lot of blood. That the priests were busy slitting, slitting throats, and, and they were removing organs, and they were sprinkling blood. They were heaving animals up onto the altars. There was a lot of smoke and fire, a constant smoke, a, a constant fire coming out of the dwelling place of God on the earth. You can imagine the noise, the, the mess, the smell, the blood over and over again. God's people were offering up sacrifices. The, the priests were busy men. 
They were, they were busy in this, this work of, of putting the meat on the altar, of atoning for the sins through the sacrifices. And then one time a year, it was called the Day of Atonement. You can read about this in Leviticus 16. It was a very special day because the high priest would enter into the most holy place where the ark of God was with the cherubim above it, with the mercy seat of the, uh, the mercy seat above the ark as well. And he would offer into the most holy place, he would enter into the most holy place to offer blood to atone for the temple for himself and for all the people. What's going on here? Why do we read all this stuff in the Old Testament? Why did God demand all these things in his law? Hebrews 10 verse 1 tells us that the law is the shadow of the good things that are coming. That there are some important realities behind these rituals that are clearly seen in the work of Jesus Christ. So what is behind the sacrifices? We can see four things, four very clear things. The sacrifices pointed out the holiness of God like we we sang in hymn five. They were an annual reminder. They were a constant reminder of man's sins. They also highlighted to the people that God is gracious, that he still allows them to, to come back to him after they have committed sins. And the sacrifices made the people really want Jesus Christ to come. So in the first place, we see that the sacrifices were, were showing how holy our God is. And when God comes to dwell on earth, Emmanuel, God with us, when he comes to dwell on earth, that can only be possible through the sacrifices. God dwells in, in unapproachable light. And just like a healthy body attacks and destroys diseases and and viruses in the body. So God in his holy wrath attacks and destroys any hint of sin that that dares to try sneak in and, and ruin his perfect kingdom. If it might cause a tear or if it might hurt, or if it might cause degeneration. You could see that in the Old Testament, like, like the yeasts and the unclean food in the law. Then it must be burned up and destroyed. God is holy, holy, holy. The fear and dread of being in the most holy place on the Day of Atonement had to do with this holiness of God. The, the people understood Also when they saw what God did to Nadab and Abihu, they understood that he was not joking. They knew that God was holy, that he cannot tolerate tolerate sin. And we could see that also in the way that we we, we speak about the suffering of Christ. We we talk about the holiness of God when when we confess in Lord's Day 15 about God's wrath. God's wrath means his his anger against sin. We can see that, that we see the holiness of God when we, we confess that we believe in his judgment of the rebellious. We read and confess about everlasting damnation for those who do not repent. We confess that outside of God's grace, God's curse lays on us. That all has to do with, with his holiness. You can't sing holy, 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 Lord God Almighty without understanding how much that that wrath of the holy God stands against sin. And look at how 
The catechism speaks about that. It's the background to the suffering that we confess. And so we see that there was a, there's a lot more going on in the Old Testament than just a, a, a man who's, who's dressed up all fancy, entering a tent on the tenth day of the seventh month. And everybody knew that. You don't joke around with, with going past the curtain to be in God's holy presence in the blood of the sacrifices. You could say how much less today when, when every Sunday is like a day of atonement when we enter God's throne of grace in the blood of the Lamb. We don't joke around with the holiness of our God. In the second place, the sacrifices were a continual reminder of God's rebellion and fall into sin. They had to pay for, for every sin with blood. Before the fall into sin, there was peace. God just walked together with Adam and Eve, walked in the garden with Adam and Eve that we don't read about any sacrifices. But in choosing to disobey God, man put himself on, on Satan's side. Man put himself against God, the holy, almighty king and creator. Man, man turned into this despicable rebel. And then even when God came, and you can read about this in Genesis 3, verses 8 and 9, when God came to, to call them, man had turned into such a rebel that he, he wanted to flee away. He wanted to hide himself from God who was even calling them. Even after we see the damage we are causing, we continue to sin, we continue to hate, we continue to reject, there is no peace. We understand what the sacrifices were saying to the people. Every Sunday again we hear the Ten Commandments and we have to listen with our heads bowed. We have to listen in humility, we keep sinning. We keep rebelling against a gracious God who, who gathers us together, who calls us. We, we, we can see the ugliness of our sins. Well, the sacrifices were a continual reminder of this ongoing struggle against sin. And with that, it also showed every time again the consequences of every sin, of every word that you spoke that you should not have spoke, every thought that you had, every wicked desire. And what do your sins deserve? You can see that Hebrews 9 verse, verse 22, that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Sinners have to pay for every sin, and the wages of sin are death. And so the, the sinner knew very well by offering sacrifices who he was, but he also knew that God was different, that God was gracious in spite of the rebellion and the wickedness of his creatures. God made it possible to come back to have peace with him again. God made it possible for this, unit, this union where he dwelt in their midst Leviticus teaches us that God decided to accept the blood of some animals as a substitute for our blood. That means the animal died so that the offerer wouldn't have to. In the Old Testament, the Lord teaches us that because of our sinfulness, because of the holiness of God, the sacrifice of the, the, the blood of the sacrifice would have to be offered by a mediator in a holy place. 
And so what was happening is, is that the sinner would come with his sacrifice. He would, he would bring it to the priest. Together they would confess their sins over that animal. And then it would be their sins and their guilt and even their punishment, death, was transferred from the sinner to, to that animal. And, and the believer could walk away saying, wow, God is gracious. I don't, have to, I don't have to suffer. I don't have to die for those sins because the animal would do it. The man sinned, but the animal would take the hit. He would die. And so that word we read in the confession, atone, atonement. Atone means to cover over. The blood of the animal would cover your sins. It would atone for your sins. It would be considered a substitute for your blood. Imagine that. Every time you committed a sin, you would have to take an animal, you would have to kill it, you'd have to watch his blood pour out upon the ground, and you'd think, his blood instead of mine. You could see a little bit of what you deserve you could really reflect on the cost of your sins. You could even see the sword of God's judgment, the carnage of his wrath that your sins cause. You could see it poured out on a substitute. You'd be reminded of your own inability to obey God's commands, to meet his righteous requirements, and that would weigh on your conscience. Hebrews 10 verse 2 talks about the, the guilty feeling. Yeah, you would feel a guilty feeling to see that animal, his blood being poured out because of some, some bad decisions that you made, because you couldn't control yourself, because of, because of this rebelliousness, this inclination to hate God and your neighbor. And then that need to repeat the sacrifice over and over. Yeah, you, you felt bad, you felt guilty. You see the, the blood shed and, and then you go home and, and you, you do it again. You, you speak an unkind word to your husband or to your wife impatient, you lie, cheat, you have to do it again, another sacrifice, more blood, more blood, more blood, be tiring, saps your strength as we read in Psalm 32. That was a function of the sacrifices that it made the people tired of, of their sins, it made them, made them long for, for one sacrifice that would be better. They could see that something was always missing. Hebrews says the law is a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities. We read in, in, in the following verses, in, in verses 5 to 6, that, that God was not satisfied with the sacrifices and offerings because they were only a temporary solution. The Holy Spirit even says in Hebrews 10 verse 4 that it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Paul adds in Romans 3 that the sacrifices only delayed the punishment. You can see that Romans 3 verses 25 and 26. It delayed the punishment so God could demonstrate his justice in his own son. Even on that most holy day, every year in the Old Testament, the day of atonement, the priest still had to atone for his own sins. That is why it was necessary, as we read in Hebrews 10, verse 9, it was necessary to set aside the sacrifices of the Old Testament. It was necessary to establish a new and, and living way to the Father. I think it's good to pay attention to that. God himself 
was not pleased with the feeble attempts of men to obey his law, not even the high priest. So don't try to do it on your own. Hebrews 10 verses 5 to 7 is saying sacrifices didn't please God. At feeble attempts, they, they didn't gain anything. They were even offered in sin. And so we got to think about our own lives because God is saying that you can't do it on your own. You simply can't buy your way into heaven. You can't earn your way to God by, by making sacrifices, by being a, a, a nice person, by, by taking of your time to, to make casseroles, to bring it to, to needy families in the church. That won't earn you anything. It doesn't earn anything to be the, the smartest guy in, in the Bible study with lots of Bible knowledge. You can't earn anything by loving your neighbor, by giving generous offerings to the church. The, the sacrifices of man are, are, not enough, are not enough. And I think if you ever tried that, to gain something by that, you, you, you already know that. You already noticed that. They're good things. They're loving things that we are doing, but they are stained with sin. They never seem to be quite enough. You're right that God commands this love in his law, but you also need to understand that your sins prevent you from earning anything by this. We do these things because we're so thankful for the other sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We read in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5, in that quotation of Psalm 40, that God prepared a body on earth, that God prepared a, a human being who came from heaven. Jesus says, I came from heaven. And this human being came, you read in verse 7, to do his will. The sacrifices were not enough. The animals came from below. They were offered in a man-made tent that was part of creation. Fallen man was unable to draw near to God based on his own righteousness. Fallen man is unable to draw near to God based on, their own right, based on his own righteousness. Fallen man could never be holy enough to be able to be in God's presence. The offerings that he presented were animals. They could not cleanse them eternally. The same sacrifices offered over and over again can never take away sins. The same sacrifices brought them into the temple on earth, but they couldn't bring them to the throne in heaven. And as we gather together, we have that eternal perspective and we have that question so how do we get past the temple into the throne? We see that in our second point, the one sacrifice of Christ that makes perfect forever. The gospel that we confess in Lord's Day 15 of the Heidelberg Catechism is that when Jesus Christ came, he fulfilled what was written about him in the Old Testament. We read in chapter 9, verse 15, that he is the mediator of the new covenant which means that he was like a high priest in the Old Testament who stood between God and sinful man, except that he did this in the new covenant. 
He fulfilled the task of the Old Testament priests who offered many sacrifices. And he did this by offering just one sacrifice, his own body. He was the body that God prepared to take the place of the Old Testament sacrifices. Hebrews 10 verses 7 and 9 says he was the one who came to do the will of God. He came to please God by offering himself as a perfect sacrifice. It was human. He was, he was without sin. Hebrews 9 verse 14 says it so clearly. Christ through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God. Beautiful words. It, it sounds cookie cutter neat from our perspective. Christ took the place of the high priest. Christ took the place of the sacrificial lamb. And so he offered himself as a sin offering, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, to appease God's wrath. But this just isn't, this isn't just a theological lesson to be memorized. Rather, this is an eternal truth that we need to think about every day so that we can be thankful in our Christian life. Jesus Christ, the innocent, perfect Son of God, suffered. He didn't suffer for his own sins, as we also sang in, in hymn 25 from Isaiah 53. He did not suffer for his own sins. He was perfect. But he suffered for your sins, for my sins, for, for all of our sins. Jesus Christ suffered. The innocent one who loved his father and whom his father loved. He left the glory of heaven that he had. He submitted himself to that eternal plan. He presented himself as a sacrifice on whom God could pour out his wrath. He took on human flesh so that he could hang on a cross for you and in your place. He entered Mary's womb so that he could die for you. He was not just another animal that we never grew to love. But he had a, a human body. He had a human soul. And he came to earth because he loved us. He knew your name, when he came, when he left the glory of God to die for his sheep. What's it like to be a sacrifice under the wrath of God? We confess that during all the time he lived on earth, but especially at the end, he suffered in body and soul. During all the time he lived on earth, the gospels show the, the buildup of his humiliation. Already as a boy, the Lord Jesus knew what the Old Testament said about the Messiah. He knew the servant songs. He knew the, the prophecies about his suffering. When he read or maybe even sang the Psalms with his family, he knew that he could only return to the glory he had if he passed through the valley of the shadow of death. He knew that his closest friends would reject him and betray him. He knew that he would call out to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22. He knew that all God's wrath would be poured out 
upon him. The anticipation, the agony of hell weighed upon him, made his preaching urgent and compassionate. He let everyone know that he was taking the hit. You can, you can see what is, what's happening. When he promised life to somebody else, he was, he was speaking of his own death, that own, his own rejection. And what did he see when he looked around? Well, he saw Jews who remained proud. He saw Samaritans humbled. He saw lowly Galileans who, who came with their wives, but his, his very own brothers had doubts. There's a Roman centurion, a bunch of prostitutes, and yet sincere young rulers who aren't willing to trust completely in his death and sacrifice. He saw all sorts of things and he knew he had to preach. And he knew that he was that light shining in the darkness. And so he looked to Jerusalem. He looked to that end during all the time he lived on earth. If you read the Gospels, you can see how they highlight that he, was, he had this resolute spirit. He, he was resolved to go all the way through. He set his eyes upon Jerusalem, his, the place where he would die. He ignored the temptations of the devil. He ignored the pleas of his disciples, the threats of the Jewish leaders. And what a humiliation it was for him to stand before the godless, self-interested Pontius Pilate and be condemned as guilty. He saw Pilate's mouth move, but he knew that it was his own father condemning him as guilty. He knew it was necessary, as we confess, to save us from the severe judgment of God that was to fall on us. He knew that he had to, ex that he had to experience everything that we deserved. He was a sacrifice, and he was alone. No one really understood what was happening. Imagine that, seeing the people you would be dying for and never seeing someone who, who understands. Yes, among his followers, we can see of examples of some who had blind faith. They said, we'll follow you wherever you go, but they didn't know what they were saying. He saw the extraordinary zeal of some disciples when, when Peter took his sword out to protect the Lord Jesus so he wouldn't have to die. He, had this general, he saw the general understanding that he was Messiah, the Christ, but then these very same disciples fell asleep in the most bitter moments of his, of his agony. They tempted him even, like Satan had done, to, to avoid his death, as if it were not necessary for their salvation. And as he walked to the cross, no one was cheering him on. It's just like we sang in hymn 25. No one recognized what he was doing. No one, no one cheered him on and thanked him for his sacrifice and his love. No one wept for their sins that had caused all this. They kept wishing he would not die. The witnesses tell us that the very people he was dying for were, were shouting, shouting at him, come down and save yourself. They didn't even want to be saved. And he was dying for them. Some fled, some mocked. That's why we say that Jesus Christ suffered especially on the cross. A, a crucified man hung between heaven 
in the earth. He has no place he can call his own. He doesn't belong anywhere. The earth spit him out with a curse. And heaven turned his back to him. When our Lord Jesus looked down from the cross, all he saw was hate and, and ignorance and cursing. And when he looked up, he saw the darkness. He saw his own father had forsaken him and turned his back on him. He was made to suffer the wrath of God. We see what it, what it was like to be a sacrificial animal. He was made to suffer the wrath of God, not against just one man, though, against the sin of the whole human race. The only thing his divine nature helped him to do was to suffer more in his human nature. So he did what no other person can do because we can only pay for our own sins. A man can only pay for his own sins with eternal death. But he paid for the sins of many with, with his death. The, the wrath of God against the sin of the whole human race was, was poured out upon him there on the cross. The scriptures told that the Lord Jesus that he would be rejected by his Father. And, and when we look at the scriptures, when we see what his suffering was like, we can see that, that God, his own Father, made him suffer in every way possible. He suffered physical torture. He was paraded before men and, and women, naked, bruised, beaten down, Hated, shamed, humiliated. He was spit upon by men who had rejected and abandoned him, abandoned him and, and, and were mocking him like a big bunch of bullies. One of the Psalms says, they're like lions around me. The stinging, burning, ridiculing wrath of God, his own father, was, was poured out upon him. He suffered that agony of hell. And he did not open his mouth in protest. Matthew tells us in Matthew 26 verse 50 that at the very end in the darkness our Lord just screamed out and he gave up his spirit. The animals in the Old Testament did not understand why they were being killed and they just gave their lives for one person. But our Lord Jesus Christ knew who was punishing him. And he knew why he was being punished. And our confession wants us to think about that. Do you know why he suffered? The catechism makes us stare at that a moment. Our confession wants us to reflect on God's wrath, on his punishment against sin. It wants us to think about how our sins offend God. It's pretty clear to see why we feel a distance from God right after we commit an embarrassing sin that makes it difficult to pray. God is holy and we're so sinful. Our sins offend God. It invokes his wrath. Sin makes God angry. So we look at that as we confess it, but then we do that from the perspective of God's grace. 
Today I may come to you with the gospel. God knows that you are a sinner. He knows every one of your sins. He knew that before he sent his son. Jesus Christ knew your sins and what it would cost before he, he came. He knows your struggles. He knows how, how sad you are that your sins offend him. But God also says, you know what? Christ Jesus paid for those sins. That's why we, we sing about God's Christ's suffering. Christ paid for all those sins. You don't need to suffer anymore. You have access to the throne of God in heaven through that sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's what Hebrews is saying. Hebrews 9 and 10. Look at the Old Testament sacrifices, but look what we have in Christ. Look what we have in Christ. And that's why the verses 12 and 13, they, they jump to the, the happy side of it. The blessed result but when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. He had access. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. We need to see that those who choose to reject the Lord Jesus are making the wrong decision. Because then that wrath of God, the holy God, that wrath that Christ bore for Christians, all who believe in him, then that wrath will, will fall on them. They don't have the, the shield of, of Christ Jesus anymore who bore that wrath. They'll have to pay for their own sins. The enemies will be put down under, under the Lord Jesus' feet. If you do not really believe, if you do not embrace your Savior, if you do not desire to have this union with Christ Jesus, then you can look at the cross, you can hear about his suffering, and you can know exactly what to expect for all eternity. In fact, all of us can look to see what we deserve. But just for a moment, because the real message the comfort of the gospel is positive and encouraging for those who are being made holy. For those who are being made holy. For those who are called and in whom the Holy Spirit is, is working by his word, we get to receive all the fruit of the sacrifice, and the, the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. Although it's completely humbling, the confession of the suffering of Christ is, after all, a, a very positive and uplifting confession. It's a confession about our deliverance. And as the Lord's days go through the suffering and the humiliation of Jesus Christ, it's actually showing us what we don't need to experience anymore. That's the whole point of a substitute. Everything that he bore for us and in our place, we don't have to. Everlasting damnation, Christ's atoning sacrifice took care of that for us. Your dirtiness, your shame, your guilt, Christ took that on his shoulders. He was punished for that. He paid for it with his own blood. That blood washes us clean before God. And then when we reflect on this, then, then it takes away any desire 
to return to that darkness, to return to that shame, that dirtiness, and that guilt, that the, the, the so-called pleasures that the world is offering us. We are clean in Christ. Why would we want to return to, to the slime of the hurting, of the violence, of the bullying, the undermining, the immodesty, all that thing, all the, the shame that Christ had to suffer. He suffered all that for us and now we get the good stuff. As we confess, we get to experience his grace, the righteousness of Christ that makes you confident and unashamed to pray to God and eternal life. Grace, righteousness of Christ, eternal life. What a gracious and, confession, uh, what a gracious and encouraging confession. So when you meet someone and he says, what does it mean to be a Christian? You could think about Hebrews 10 and 14. Say, by the will of the most holy God, against whom I have sinned many times, I have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Christ once for all. And so he does not count my sins against me anymore. There is no more sacrifice for sin necessary in my life. So we could start every day thinking, by that one sacrifice, he made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Amen.